It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Aquaman. Hey, movie maniacs, my name is Sky, and I'm joined once again by my brother, Dusty. What's going on, Dust? What's up, dude? I am doing really, really well. I'm over being sick, and you know, the holidays are great, and now we have the New Year's coming up. Super looking forward to staying up till 9 p.m., celebrating the uh, ball (laughs) dropping in the East Coast. Yep, yep. I'm going today to Vaughn's, um, and I'm going to buy some uh, Martinelli sparkling cider. You know, you and I growing up with mom, we would always drink that at every celebration, Thanksgiving, New Year's, everything. So I'm buying some today so that we have some with the boys at maybe 9 p.m. But we, you know, we often do stay up till midnight just watching movies. So that's when we'll be partaking in our celebrations. Nice. So normally I go watch the movies by myself, but because my kids are older, so we have four kids, um, when they were younger, it's harder to get babysitters and stuff like that. And um, her parents are getting a little older, so it's a little harder for them to watch the kids. But now that my kids are older, where Ellie, our oldest, is 10, and the, the next one is 9, the next one's after that's almost 8, and then we have a 5-year-old. They all, you know, we don't need a babysitter anymore. They all you know, call us on the phone. Hey, daddy, they're not changing the iPad or like <laughs> they're not letting me play the iPad now or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's great that they, they can all watch themselves instead of getting babysitters. Cool. Oh, so what you took Melissa to the movie then? Oh, saying? yeah. Sorry. I completely overskipped that. Yes. Uh, Melissa and I both went and watched the movie and um, she she's uh, she watches for certain things that I don't necessarily watch out for and um, like things like. How in the world is that girl running with high heels on a rooftop? <laughs> ah, yeah. Things like that. <laughs> yeah, I notice that kind of stuff too. And I often don't voice it out loud, but I did the same thing. I left the boys at home for about three hours. Me and Denise went to go see it because she really wanted to. But the boys just, they just weren't interested into it. You know, they've they've seen the past few DC movies and they're kind of uh, disheartened by them. So they didn't want to bother with this one. Although, I mean, we'll get to it, but I enjoyed it. And I told the boys that they missed out. You know what? I am, because I had such horribly ridiculously awfully low expectations low expectations <laughs> of this movie i was thoroughly pleased so i'm going to start by saying um, but in, in watching the entire movie and seeing the storytelling they did a such um uh thorough job telling the story from beginning to end and at the same time um that the story did not have any too low of lull, low of lulls to you know high of highs or like it wasn't so um, chaotic and it had a good flow had a lot of moving parts but it all kept it very succinct where you understood everything that was going on I really liked the storytelling now the acting itself was a bit off like even Nicole Kidman I was like man Nicole you're doing a horrible job acting but that was just my opinion um, the acting wasn't very good but. The storytelling was really good. I was much better, you know, obviously very, very happy compared to like Dong of Justice and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. um, Justice League. And so I actually like this one a lot and I gave it a pretty good score. So what do you think about your about? um, uh, I always want to call either Fishman or Agua, Agua Man, but it's Aqua Man, right? Yep. 
Yeah, I, I really did enjoy it. I thought they did a great job, like you said. The acting wasn't, nothing was, nothing to write home about, but I didn't feel anybody did a bad job, and I liked Nicole Kidman, and her interactions with her husband I thought was great. I felt the love between the two of them, so I think I saw that a bit differently than you, um, but oh, overall, I did enjoy the movie. Like you said, great, um, oh, really good special effects as well. All that beautiful underwater stuff, awesome battle scenes and everything. I give this one an 80. That's a good high score for a DC movie. Yeah, I know. Probably the highest. I mean, if we had reviewed Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman probably would have gotten 80, 85 as well. But yeah, 80 for this one. Oh, you would have gave Wonder Woman that high? Mm-hmm. I think yep. uh, Wonder Woman, I probably gave it like a 72. Mm. But um, yeah, so for me, I gave it an 88 for Aquaman. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. And the reason why is because I could absolutely see myself, and I will watch it again, um, is very, very entertaining. The storyline... They, they had ups and downs, and it took you from one place to the other. I've always, maybe it's the traveling from location to location that I like a lot. You know, going from where um, Aquaman's dad is to um, the, to Atlantis to the Sahara to the trench. And, like, you kept moving, and, it, like, there's, like, a whole new section of the movie. And it was just, like, boom, boom. Like, it just kept moving, and it kept growing, and it got better and better as I saw it go along. So the, I see the audience... Score is an 81% of the people liked, or the 81% um, liked it. So yeah, I gave it an 88 because it's definitely rewatchable. Um, and I thought the the humor in it, they did a much like it's not dark and 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 ugly and gritty as like Dong of Justice or any of the um, you know other movies. So this was really really good. Oh, without a doubt, it wasn't. They took. Uh, Jason Momoa in Justice League, he was a kind of a comic relief. The Flash and Aquaman were both kind of comedy in that movie. But I like how they kind of kept his characteristics, his joking sides and everything. And they kept that and, uh, you know, per- just perpetuated it for this movie. And all the humor they threw in was really good. You're you're right about that. And Jason Momoa's delivery on a lot of lines. He has really good timing. And I just, I found myself laughing a lot at what he was doing. And I really do like him as an actor. I want to see him more and more. I'm definitely looking forward to a future Aquaman part two. You know, the squeak will. This, this week. So, did you see? Oh, wait, no, you haven't seen um, uh, um, a Game of Thrones. No, I haven't yet, but I heard he's good in the show. You, yeah, yeah, he does a really, really good job. Actually, it's amazing how in Game of Thrones is like the whole entire series and every actor and actress inside of that that show is phenomenal. Like, yeah. You don't have any, uh, you're so ingrained in the story and what's going on, you don't even recognize, you know, anything about it. So, yeah. Now, moving back on to Aquaman, there's a couple of things that kind of got me that were, I wouldn't say, maybe irritating or, you know, just like things that popped up. It's like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, why do you do that? So, I wanted to, before we get into, um, you know, anything else, like the lessons or anything, I wanted to bring up some movie tropes. Did you catch any movie tropes inside of Aquaman? Yeah, quite a few. I mean, the one that we mentioned, that you mentioned the last movie, Hero Landing, there was two of those. There was also a hero push-off part, so three different hero stances in this movie. 
Yes. What do you, what do you mean push off? I'm, I'm not sure I know what that means. There was one point where he was, uh, Aquaman was just on the ground. He didn't land in a hero stance, but he was down on it. Or it might have been King Orm, but somebody launched out of that position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and well, almost every single time anybody landed, they were almost in that position. Like, all, if not all the way down in that position, like mm-hmm. even the um, rooftop scene where they're all running, every single time they ran and jumped and like the, um, I'm thinking specifically the um, uh, Atlanteans that are inside their suits. Oh. Every single time they landed, they were always doing that. And so, yeah, it's always, always the hero landing with their heads, you know, looking down and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, come on, let's move on from that. Yeah. Yeah, but there I, were a few other movie tropes too. What did you find? So definitely the uh, woman running in boots and high heels. Yes. You know, that was rather, it's like, oh. Now, I I think I counted no less than five hero landings. Um, just it sequences, not just like all at one time, like all the mm-hmm. um, one, you know, like a group of bad guys landing at one time, not counting that, like one, two, three, four, five, but like the whole, every time he's landing, when he jumps out of the water, like the beginning scene where... That's not a beginning scene, but um, where Aquaman pulls the or pushes the submarine out of the water, then he you know swims and jumps out and then lands. You know, it's just so iconic. You know, his head's hanging down and everything. And I'm kind of man. I'm wishing they would get away from that. Um, yeah. What other, did you have any other movie tropes that came in your mind? Nothing that stand out right now. Um, I didn't have any more. I mean, there was a couple other ones. Um, one thing that got me, and it's not a movie trope, but an issue, not issue. Um, just a thought came to mind. So he jumps down into the submarine. I didn't know he was um, he, like metal couldn't like hurt him like bullets, right? It can't hurt him. Oh, yeah. He's impervious in some ways, you know, very uh, yeah, impervious, I guess. I guess. Yeah. And metal like regular um, a sword from that uh, mana ray guy. His mm-hmm. sword couldn't pierce him because, you know, it wasn't Atlantean steel, right? Mm-hmm. How in the world does he have so many tattoos? Ah, good question. I don't know. Maybe he got those when he was 18 before his um his uh, skin hardness came into effect. Oh, yeah. That's that's <laughs> uh, I, I guess we have to come up with that <laughs> somehow. Yep. Now, are those his actual tattoos? Um, I think they are. Got it. I remember um, The Rock having this huge, awesome, like arm, half body tattoo. And lots of movies he had to cover it up somehow, like, you know, paint or whatever. But um, yeah, it's cool when they actually get to show off their tattoos that are just that that uh, uh, monstrosity or like monstrous, like huge. Yeah. Well, you say it's cool, and I agree, it's cool looking, but you don't have any tattoos, right? No, and I won't. Yeah, me either. I'm not a tattoo kind of guy. No, actually, th- there was a time I I was with our cousin up in Oregon. You almost got a tramp stamp. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> It might as well be a bullseye. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so uh, my our cousin and her boyfriend at the time, now they're married, um, were he was getting a tattoo. And this was the, like, I want to say, I don't know, like 97, 1997, 1998, 99, somewhere around there. And the tribal bands around your bicep was really popular. Yeah. And I was getting the peer pressure hard from our cousin and, and all her friends. And for like literally 0.2 seconds, I thought, maybe. And then all of a sudden it was gone. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I am I bet you are super thankful now that you had that a little bit of that. Uh, uh, you could push push off that peer pressure, you know? Absolutely. Man, uh, tattoos, a lot of people love tattoos. And I don't, I'm not saying anything negative. It's just for me, I'm thinking, man, it's permanent. And I don't, 
I don't like things that much to make it that permanent on me. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is pizza. Wow, oh, dude. That's the only thing th- permanently I know I'll love forever. Pizza and sushi, I guess. If they would have said, hey, put a sushi on your shoulder, I'd be like, <laughs> yes. Man, they just had the wrong the wrong tactic. Or the they wrong- did, they did. They <laughs> said, dusty, spicy tuna roll now. Yes, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to add another um uh section in our in our podcast. So we you know we have mm-hmm. the Monday Monday quarterback, we do our scores. I want to add um, a new one in there and it's a new segment that and it's it, it's okay if we don't come up with one, but I want to talk about what is your favorite scene in the movie and why is that scene your favorite? Okay, cool beans. So what's yours? My favorite scene in the movie, and there are tons of them, and it was so much action, really, really well done. The CG was great. I, I was thoroughly enthroned in, uh, engrossed in the entire movie and all, all, everything. But what was different for me was the running scene on top of the roof. Not uh, because, obviously, not because of the the high heels, but when they're running away and they're trying to get away, because that's been done many, many times. You've seen it done over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But the way they did it was super cool. I loved it that you had two different um, uh, rooftops, two different ways. Of, um, you know, uh, what's what's the girl's name? I can't remember her name. Mira. Yeah, Mira. So Mira's running, and you're following her. And then also Aquaman's running, and you're following him. And you see them kind of playing back and forth. And the one of the coolest shots, and obviously, like, like I said, there's so many great scenes, um, like from the, uh, what's that, the Kraken coming out of the water. I, I don't know if that's what it's called, or coming out of the, the um, depths of the sea, all that sort of stuff. Really, really cool shots. But I really loved the way uh, Mara's running and jumping and exploding and, and all that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden, like the camera in one fail swoop from her zooms all the way back and it sees the bell tower. And then you see Aquaman hiding and then him jumping and it exploding. I was like, that is so cool. That shot was cool. So the whole scene from beginning to end, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that running scene. Yeah, I agree with you. I did I did like that a whole lot. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But just to complete this little segment here, my favorite scene was the chase scene with the trench monsters. The whole battle up on the boat was pretty cool. But then when they dove into the water, slow motion, tens of thousands of those trench monsters following them. It just looked super awesome. And it looked... I mean, it looked like they were going to die. You know what I mean? It was it was awesome. And I loved how they, I don't know, they went under there and then they saw that vortex or whatever you call that. And they went through it and then found his mom. I like that whole scene. That was a really good scene. I remember when you see, okay, there's one of the trench monsters or the, the trench people or whatever. Oh, there's two. There's three. Then all of a sudden, boom, there's like thousands yeah. of them. That was super, super cool. Yeah, like how how could anything survive that? And so I really felt the stakes right there. You know, I knew neither of our heroes would die, of course, but you still feel the danger. Yeah, you definitely, definitely can. Yeah, I so I, I really liked it. Now, let's move on to your Monday morning quarterback. What did you have about Monday morning quarterback? Yeah, you know, I, I failed to think of one. So what is your Monday morning quarterback? My Monday morning quarterback was Momoa should have saved that dad's life. Even though he was a pirate, even though he's a bad guy and he was killing people, even though all that sort of stuff, you don't let what other people's actions dictate who you know who you are. He could have at least given him a chance to live. Um so I think um Aquaman should have at least moved that off of him so that then, hey, I'm gonna get out of here. I I did what I know is right, even though you guys are horrible people. 
Ah, uh, I can understand that. Yeah. At the same time, I really like how Aquaman's willing to kill bad guys, though. Like, I mean, I, I love Spider-Man and how he doesn't want to kill anybody. He wants to save everybody. I love that aspect of him. But I don't want all of my heroes always saving people. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying. I, I do think that Aquaman, yeah, you're right, should have kicked that thing off of him and let them save themselves at least. And so, and this is also the reason why I came up with his Monday Morning Quarterback is you can see how... Aquaman learned his lesson there too because he looks back and says, because I didn't save his dad, I made an enemy. Yep. And now he's coming after me. So that's a lesson he literally learned. And so I was like, ah, that's a that's a cool cool lesson. I'm going to definitely use that as my money money quarterback, which goes into one of my lessons, which we'll get into a little bit. Well, let me, okay, it's probably maybe one of my lessons as well. The lesson was heroes create their own villains and Arthur created the Black Manta. And there's there's always, I mean, when Walmart becomes a super big store, everybody wants to bring them, that, bring them down. When Amazon or Google gets big, people want to bring them down. You know, there's always somebody jealous of what you have and they want to tear you down or they feel that you're the cause of all their problems, you know, so heroes create their own villains. That's a great point. I completely agree with that, yeah. Is that what your lesson was kind of uh, around? So this is my my second lesson. And it comes from the, the the lesson really comes from the Bible. It says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Mm. And so if Jason Momoa or, you know, Aquaman is literally trapped, you know, he would want somebody to save him. And so you would you would do that, especially when they're not literally like you're, you're you won. You're going to get out of there um, and they're, you're not going to like um, uh, they're not going to come back and kill you right now. So not saving one can uh, saving the dad can make or had, did make the Manta Ray into an enemy, but you want to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, even if they're horrible people. You don't let other people's actions dictate who you are. Oh yeah, that is a great lesson. Yeah. So one thing that irritated the crap out of me is how in the world is that Manta Ray guy alive? Um, Aquaman threw a freaking huge chain around his neck with two concrete balls on the side. It's around his neck. He's a human being. He'd be dead. Yeah, yeah. I guess the suit saved him. I guess. I there, mean, that's the only explanation. I, can I don't think care of. what type of suit. It went around his neck. Yep. That. I mean, that was. And it should maybe if it hit him in the waist or you know something like that. I could see maybe there's a suit, but oh, that was that was rather rather. Silly. I agree with you. But as soon as you see him go down, hit the water, uh, but then they don't show his body, don't show him dead. You yep. know he's coming back, and Absolutely. that's what we got at the end of the movie. Hey, did you know that? The um, they sp- supposedly spent 160 million dollars on the movie. Man, that's a lot of money. Uh, but you think with all the CG, like all the good special effects that they did, um, and also obviously actor. Oh, thinking of actor th- going off the budget. It, when I thought of actor, I was like Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren's yeah. inside there. This is awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. I loved seeing him. And then I watched the trailer afterwards, and the trailer shows you Dolph Lundgren. It shows you Willem Dafoe. Uh, it shows you Nicole Kidman. And that was kind of cool, not having seen the trailers ahead of time. I didn't know a- any of those three were in this movie. I agree. I I, would, I thought it was... Now, I'm not a huge Nicole Kidman fan. Um, I do like Willem Dafoe, man. He's a great actor in everything he plays. And just seeing Dolph Lundgren, like, anytime I see Dolph Lundgren, I smile. I was like, think of Rocky, and and um, he's he's a, he's a fun actor to watch. Oh, he was also a Predator, or not Predator, Punisher. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. Back in uh, 19... I don't know, 94 or something. The Punisher that we'll never watch again, but... Yeah. I think they're going to make a killing on this movie, especially with how how good it is, like how decently made the movie is and storyline mm-hmm. and people enjoy it. I think they're going to make a good amount of money on it. 
Well, yeah, as of yesterday, I took a look at IMDb. It says the gross worldwide box office is $749 million. Wow. And it's only been out for like two weeks in the U.S., a, a few weeks in, you know, around the world. So it'll definitely break a billion. Oh, jeez. That is... Yeah. Crazy man. man. Hey, and you were talking about the story and you liked how it traveled around the world. We saw Italy, we saw the Sahara and, you know, underwater realms and everything. And my guess is that has a big part to do with the director, James Wan. Um, he's just, he's an incredible director and you probably know some of his movies like Saw in 2004, Furious 7. He's done a lot of other stuff. I really like his directions and, and the movies that he makes, he's always worthy of seeing. Yeah, I... Really, really enjoyed. Um, I so what other movies did he write or uh, direct? Directed Saw Four and Furious Seven. Quite a few others as okay. well, but those are the ones that really stand out to me that I really enjoyed that he's done before. I, and he's I'll, he's produced a ton of movies as well. I think I've only seen Saw One. I know for sure, maybe Saw Two, but I and um, not the other ones. But um, Furious Seven, I definitely saw that. And yeah, I thought he did a great job directing it. I was really um, the storytelling was really really well done throughout the whole thing. Yeah. For sure. 100%. I agree with you. So uh, we kind of skipped your first lesson. What was your first lesson from the movie? First lesson comes from obviously Aquaman being mostly living on. Well, he didn't really go around Atlantis and stuff like that. So he didn't have any experience fighting any anybody that's like as strong as him or, you know, even remotely close. So he's just fighting against humans. So he... Figured he was the toughest, you know, baddest dude alive. Then, obviously, we know with uh, Justice League, he fights Steppenwolf and realizes he's not the biggest thing. But anyways, um, that was the one time that he was not fighting against humans. Now, he goes down to Atlantis, says, I'm going to beat up my younger brother, my little my uh, baby brother. I'm going to go beat him up and uh, take over. And he was arrogant about it and very, very prideful. And so the first lesson comes from him. Having that perspective, thinking I could just beat my 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 baby brother up and and take the title, so arrogance and pride can be your downfall. And one uh, another movie that was really uh, I uh, emphasized this type of lesson was The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Oh now, yeah, The Patriot with Mel Gibson. It was I remind me so much of this. Um, so when at the close to the very end, where you have the major um, the major general. That was uh, for England battling against the, um, you know, Mel Gibson's group and Mel Gibson's trying to figure out a strategy, how to beat this guy. And then he says, this guy knows the, you know, the, the other colonel or whatever he is, the, the main guy that's leading the army on the other side for, for England. This guy knows he's good. He knows he's fantastic. He, every single battle he's, he's fought, he's done it perfectly, but he knows it. And it's his pride. His pride is his weakness, and his pride's going to be his downfall. And was uh, along with that, what's funny in the Patriot, the uh, French guy that's helping him says, uh, "Pride's his weakness. I prefer stupidity." <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I agree. But yeah, pride is absolutely a weakness because when you overlook an opponent, like think of you know playing any sport, like if you're playing a, a football and. You, you have a team coming up next week. You're like, man, these guys have been beaten by everybody. We should be able to beat them, no problem. And you start looking to the game after that, like who's the next team? Let's start preparing for them too. You know, you, you overlook your opponent, like David and Goliath or, you know, something like that. Like you never overlook anybody. You never have your arrogance thinking, I'm better than this person because pride comes before a fall. And so arrogance and pride will be your downfall. 
100%. You're right about that. I love that lesson. And it was a good example of uh, the Patriot with Cornwallis, General Cornwallis, you know. There you um, go. Yep. But my first lesson was stressful situations are opportunities for growth. And we saw in that aquarium underwater there that Arthur's powers, they kind of grew when he was being bullied by those bullies, you know, stressful situation and stuff. And just basically, like, the only way we do grow is is through stress and through putting ourselves in situations that we don't know what we're doing. You know, when you get up on get up on stage and talk to a group of people for the first time. Super stressful, but you grow from it. The first time you record and release a podcast, really difficult. You don't want to sound like an idiot, but you grow from that experience. So that's my first lesson learned from the movie. That's a great lesson. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, when you brought up the um, uh, Aquaman growing and everything, it started getting me thinking about the trident that he grabs. That was from, uh, what's his name? King Ar- Atlan. Atlan, yeah. King Atlan's trident. Now, uh, it seems like it is only the true king can grab that trident. Is that right? That's what it sounded like, at least, yeah. So it sounds like this is DC's Thor's hammer? Uh, I guess you could think of it that way. Yeah, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Now, if it, you know, fly back to him and, and, you know, he you know throws it and it flies back to him, that'd be kind of similar. But, um, yeah, it seems like that trident has a lot, a lot of power. Now, one thing I did really appreciate was how simple the trident looked and clean and elegant it looked. And reminded me of, um, not specifically trident to this, but the Lord of the Rings and how simple and elegant the one ring is, as opposed to being this gaudy, over-elaborate, like, gem-encrusted, huge monstrosity that fits your entire hand. You know, it's just a simple, elegant ring that you can easily overlook, but it's the most powerful, you know, the one ring. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I, I love that analogy right there. And you're right. Simple simple is beautiful and elegant. And uh, it makes total sense. I remember when you came back, what, did you buy the one ring in in Austra- uh, New Zealand when you were there? Uh, no, my wife ordered it from New Zealand, um, uh, from Jens Hansen, the guy who crafted the rings for the movie, uh, for the Lord of the Rings. So yeah, yeah, that, that's where she got my wedding ring from. Cool. Because you have the one ring. That's the one that you actually wear every day, right? Yep, exactly. And uh, a, a 100% replica of the ring in the movie. Yeah. Sized to my finger, of course. That's super awesome. But yeah, I thought, because, you know, his mom's, uh, Aquaman's mom's trident looked really cool. You know, had a lot of things moving, like a lot of things going on. Like it looked heavy, it looked sturdy. But you look at, um, I, what's his brother's name? Orm. Orm. Yeah, Orm's trident looked different, but it still looked cool. But yeah. you see, um, King Atlan's trident just looks so elegant and awesome now obviously it's the only one that looks you know shiny and amazingly gold that looks just you know stinking awesome um so it it i think it, it stood out uh, above all the other tridents 100 percent, it did so is that your movie prop absolutely gotcha i figured you would choose that one so mine is atlanta's trident the silver one that he used for most of the movie as his weapon i really like the look of it it seemed nice and clean and i'm a bigger fan of silver colors as opposed to gold got it yep did you like aquaman's outfit that he got when he grabbed that trident and you know became gold and green yeah, I was good with it. It's kind of a, it harkens back to the comic books and it looked really nice and sleek, like green and gold, but a metallic green and gold. And so I, I thought it was looking pretty good. Although I do think I looked at some pictures online. I do prefer his 
look in the Justice League, kind of a darker green metallic uh, uniform as opposed to this one. But we were talking about the last episode um, when uh, for, for for Bumblebee, how we like the you know bring the old styles back, and Optimus looked like Optimus, Bumblebee looked like Bumblebee. Um, I really like the idea that that he does have a costume that's reminiscent of the comic books. Yeah, yeah. And when you brought up Justice League and how he looked there, so in storytelling, obviously it goes back to when he was born and all that sort of stuff, but storytelling, the timeline, when it actually, you know, they're running around the Sahara and all that sort of, like the current, this is after the Justice League where they fought the um, uh, Steppenwolf, right? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And so like, it's it's funny when you have all these origin stories and, um, you know, you play it in. I... I I thought they did a good job, you know, meshing the two together and not giving many gaps. Like usually you watch movies, not usually, sometimes you when you watch, watch horrible movies, like, man, there's a gap here in the storytelling. There's a gap there. There's a gap here. I didn't have any of those pop in my, my brain. How about you? No, not at all. Uh-uh. Nothing, nothing occurred to me. I, I did kind of wonder in Justice League, he did go down to Atlantis to try to protect that box from Steppenwolf. So I guess I'm kind of assuming Orm wasn't around. Mira was there, but she had less of a red hair. But I mean, you know, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. But I did kind of think about, hey, what happened in Justice League that kind of doesn't jive with this? But I, I guess everything does make sense. No, nope, I completely forgot that he did go down to Atlantis. And so, you know what? That's a huge gaping hole. Because or not not in not in Aquaman the movie that makes sense. But for him in in um, Justice League to go down to Atlantis to try to protect it, because it's like he, that was the first time he's ever been there in Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if he actually went to Atlantis or if it was just some other place that was holding. Steppenwolf's box. Remember, like in this movie, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Aquaman, he went. They went to a few different locales. It wasn't just Atlantis. So I don't remember where they actually went in Justice League. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much thinking that he would. They would have kept it in Atlantis, the, the one place. And he's, uh, from what I could tell, in Aquaman, he has never been in the sea other than with um, Willem Dafoe's character. You know, he's never been around anybody else. And so Aquaman and um justice league don't jive aquaman on its own is great just i guess i'm just forgetting justice league and how crappy that movie was yeah i got you i i think there's a way to make it jive in your mind but i would need to rewatch justice league to really get a feel for it but i'm not going to do that yeah no i'm not going to waste my time (laughs) (laughs) yep so speaking of atlantis and stuff this leads to my third lesson learned here it is don't dismiss your impact on the environment. And Atlantis, you know, the Atlanteans, they were fed up with humans dirtying up the oceans. And if you remember, like, The Happening with Marky Wahlberg, uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Wahlberg, not Marky Wahlberg, when Mother Nature, remember The Happening, when Mother Nature got fed up with humans and the trees started causing us to commit suicide? Well, same thing here. The Atlanteans were fed up with us throwing trash in their ocean. They decided to throw it back on us and go to war with us. So don't dismiss your impact on the environment. Yeah. Well, it was funny as our dad on Christmas night, um, our dad, like we have your, your, um, your wife's side of the family all there. Um, I was there with my wife and kids and our dad was there. And there's a lot of people that are not related to our dad. And our dad gets up and just gives me this speech just to our kids when there's plenty of other kids there. And he's like, everybody listen to me. And there's like 50 of us there. And he's like, I'm talking just to these four or no, sorry, these six, these six kids, but everybody listen. (laughs) 
And then he starts talking about, I'm doing everything I can to help you guys by recycling. I was like, oh, <laughs> wow, recycling. That That's that's your Christmas. <laughs> your, yeah, it was a funny, I, I didn't exactly know where he was going with that. <laughs> I, I understand the sentiment, but it was a funny situation for him to, to talk about that. It was. I, I like your your wife was like putting her finger next to her ear like, like is he going, like, is he drinking too much or is he crazy? Like, what's going yeah. on right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's our dad. He's so funny. He'll do things like that and not even bat an eyelash. He's like, ah, well, whatever. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. That's him. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go into my third lesson. My third lesson is I don't have one. I literally did not come up with a third lesson. I could not come up with another one. Ah, no worries, man. That's fine. I got three. I didn't even have a Monday morning quarterback. I just couldn't think of one, you know? Yeah. There's I, simple stuff. Like, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of little mundane little things, but I couldn't think of anything really worthy of mentioning. Um, I, 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 It's not necessarily a lesson, but something that I would like to point out, and it could be a lesson, but I loved how they made, like DC is learning, and this could be the lesson, that you need to learn when you're making mistakes, stop doing stupid things that are causing these mistakes and people getting upset and change where it seems like DC has gone away. Oh, not gone away. Cause we don't know how many more movies they're going to continue in this like manner where they're incorporating humor. They're incorporating lightheartedness. They're also incorporating, um, uh, just not dark and death and, and destruction and all that sort of stuff, making it so dramatic and so, um, you know, draining. And so now with Aquaman, they've made it so much more enjoyable to watch and where you can rewatch it because you're not so depressed when you get out of the movie. So that could be your lesson where you learn from your mistakes. Yeah, totally. That is a good lesson for sure. And DC is learning it. I agree. So what did you think about the, the, we did talk about it briefly, but the, the storyline with adding humor as well as not just like so dark. Like if you think of Batman versus, um, uh, Superman, Dong of Justice, I mean, that was so weighty and so like an anvil on your back. (laughs) What did Mm -hmm. you think about between that one and this one? Oh, this is a night and day difference. This is 100 times better. I also like this. This wasn't just like a good guy versus bad guy. There was also like a whole treasure hunt vibe trying to get that trident and stuff. And I enjoyed that. I like the fact that Nicole Kidman, you know, the mom was there and then she's gone. Kind of like in How to Train Your Dragon Part 2. You know, the mom was there taken away and then he finds her again. And oh, by the way, I knew that Nicole Kidman would come back. You know, when they say they sacrificed her, you know that she actually didn't die in that sacrifice. You knew she was going to come back. Absolutely. There's no way that I thought, like when they said, oh, she's dead, I'm like, we didn't see her die. Unless we literally see her die, they're trying to play us in that direction where she's dead, which it helps us understand where, um, you know, Aquaman, he believes that she's absolutely dead because he was told back when he was like a teenager that she was dead. So he believes because he can't see it. Us being the movie watchers can, you know, interject and say, oh, she's probably not dead. But yeah, it helped us to th- to realize how dramatic it was that she's been gone for 20 years and the reason why she's been gone. Yeah, totally. Hey, one thing that really bugged me about this movie, one of the reasons I gave it at least 10 points from 100 to 90 and then some other things dropped it to 80, there was too many Atlantean deaths by at the hands of Mira, at the hands of uh, just uh, of Aquaman. You know what I mean? Like, in Italy, they were killing soldiers that were just trying to capture them. But your goal is to become king of Atlantis, right? You killed these soldiers. Their families are going to be pissed off at you. Great, you're their king. 
in two days from now, but you've got all these people who hate you because you killed their soldier sons and fathers who were just doing their job. You know what I mean? And even that big battle at the end when she brought up or when he brought up that Carathen creature um, and was killing not only... um, uh, Atlanteans, but then the other side, and now you're going to be king of the entire ocean, but you have all these people hating you for what you did. I think there was a better way to solve all their problems, or at least like knock out the Atlanteans, throw them back in the ocean instead of killing anyone. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see, I, I could definitely say I didn't, that thought did not cross my mind at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole time, every Atlantean death, I was going, Ooh, ouch. That's a mom that's going to hate you when you're king. <laughs> So that brought up, uh, when you brought up, so what's that big creature's name? The Kraken? Carathen. And that that brings up, real quick before you get to yours, that brings up another thing. There were too many names that were tough, like King Nereus. You don't remember his name. Volko, King Rico, Carathen, all those. It's tough names to remember. They are. They're rather tough. And so um, I really like the introduction of these new creatures. Now, I don't know if they've been in the comics or not. Um, I have no clue. But these, like the... The trench or those crab creatures or the fish people or, you know, all that. I like that. And then also having the undersea, like the the storytelling was really good. And they were really creative bringing up all these different characters, even though it's hard to remember those names and all that sort of stuff. But I did like how they made it feel like the world is bigger, like it's a bigger world. Thinking of like... um, we're used to in on you know on earth when we're walking around on earth we know what society's like and when you think of john wick there's a whole underworld that we have no clue and they they share the whole story the whole story of like you know helping to understand this happens and this happens this person sees this and all that sort of stuff like this whole underworld we don't know about and they create a story that's really really cool something that we know but they change it to make it different just like the matrix or something like that and so this we only thing we know of is the atlanteans but they created a whole new storyline and a whole new cast of characters that even though they weren't in this movie very long, I liked that we they had like the, what was it, seven seas or the however many five different kingdoms or whatever it was. But you got to see the different kingdoms and all that sort of stuff. I liked that a lot. Yeah, totally. I agree with you there. They're opening up a whole new underwater world where they can go part two, part three, even a whole Black Manta movie they could do. I mean, this opened up a ton of avenues. Yeah, Black Manta, it seems like he's he's like um Iron Man smartness, you know, intelligent wise. Um, mm-hmm. you know, being able to take apart in like 30 minutes the uh, <laughs> their their equipment and make it into his own suit. Yep. Totally total. I didn't I did not like the size of his head. I understand why he said after that laser beam went off, he goes, "Oh, I need a bigger head or bigger whatever." I didn't like the size of his head because how are you seriously going to fight with that gigantic bulbous thing on your head? You're going to be top heavy, falling over. As soon as you fall over, it's going to take all your strength to get back up. I don't I didn't like the size of it. Yeah, and just quickness too. I mean, er- mm-hmm. everything about it it just is so impractical. Now, in the comic book, is it that big? Yeah, it's pretty big in the comics. And maybe it makes sense because you're underwater. Uh, It's easier to move a big bulky body underwater if you have the strength to move it. But on land, a big heavy head makes no sense. Yeah, (laughs) it absolutely doesn't. Now, I I was thinking, man, how in the world is he beating the crap out of Aquaman? But, oh, well, you know, it it just seems like he's, even though he has the head that has the, the, you know, the beams and he has that, 
um, Atlantean steel, he's still not strong. He's still a regular human strength wise. And so I was like, oh, this is, uh, oh, okay. I'm going to dis- uh, suspend my disbelief right now. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I had an easy time believing? That scene when the Atlantean soldier had to stick his head in the toilet to survive. I loved it. <laughs> it was that, see, things like that that makes the, make the movie, it's like, man. Yeah, that's the way you make it enjoyable. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, that, I could see that happening. That's good. That was funny. Yep, totally. totally. I also liked their little Pinocchio escape in the, in the whale's mouth. That was pretty smart, too. Very, very cool. Now, apparently, none of the Atlanteans or any of the other fish people can talk to the, you know, anything in the sea. Only he's yeah. the only one that has the ability to, right? Yep, it's a special power that just he has, just like her special power to control water the way she does. Mira, I'm talking about. Um, it's it's just cool how certain characters, sure, they can all live and swim and fight underwater and stuff, but it's cool how certain ones, especially like the highborn ones, they have those extra powers. And also just the whole idea of being able to breathe out of water. Only the highborns, extra powerful ones can. And that's why all the Atlanteans were wearing like full-on body armor with uh, you know, uh, armors or their armor was just full of water the whole time to keep them alive because they're basically fish. Yeah, that's that's very true. They you know they only breathe underwater. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Cool beans. Uh, I think we covered everything I want to discuss. Anything that we left out? I am just super excited that DC is learning how to make movies better. I mean, it's just really, really good. I'm thoroughly impressed that I was able to give this an 88 on my score. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I like your 88 and I, I'm still, I'm good with the 80 for myself. Um, what, what's the old saying? Um, uh, one time is a fluke, but two times is a streak or there's something like that, right? Um, I, maybe. There, there's some kind of saying, so we need to see one more DC movie and I'm just hoping, I'm hoping that it's anywhere near as good as this. Yeah. The only one I could think of is, you know, fool me once, shame on me or you fool me twice, shame on me or fool, yeah. fool me thrice, shame on everybody or something. I don't know, whatever that. Yeah, is. exactly. If this one was a dumper, like we saw, um, don't count suicide squad, right? But we saw dong of justice and justice league. If this one was it, that would have been three times in a row. Totally our fault for watching a third crappy movie from the same company. And you know what? I wasn't going to watch this movie, but because we do this podcast, I know there's going to be a ton of people that are going to be watching Aquaman. And I was like, you know what? We want to watch what other people are watching so we can see what other lessons people are learning. And, you know, anybody listening to the podcast, you have um, go to our podcast show notes and put in your lessons there in the comments or on our Facebook page, put in your lessons there that you've learned too. Um, we just love learning lessons. And so this would be a, is, is a great opportunity because other people are going to be watching the same movie and hopefully getting lessons out of it too. Yeah, 100%. So I think that's it for me in this movie. Uh, anything, any last things you want to talk about, Dust? That's get, That's it, I'm good. Cool beans, Dust. So this was your choice. Next week will be my choice. And I want to go back, a little bit back in time, to one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever. Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. You know what? Our mom loved that. When it first came out, she was, well, she was a big Trekkie all her life and got us into Star Trek. But when Galaxy Quest came out, she, I, I, had, I think I'd moved out of the house by then. And um, anyway, she watched it and she loved it. And I never watched it. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Wait, you've never seen Galaxy Quest? No, I think I've seen like, 
a clip here and there, but that's about it. Oh my, I cannot believe you've missed it this whole time. You are in for such a treat. You have Sam Rockwell in one of his first four performances. Really good role. Alan Rickman is in it, of course, and Tim Allen as well as Sigourney Reaver. You're going to absolutely love it. And there are so many lessons to take away, and not just lessons, but just ton of fun stuff. A lot of Monday morning quarterbacks as well. Uh, so it, it's going to be an enjoyable one for you. That's great. All those actors are and actresses are fantastic. Um, so is it... Um is it something that I should watch with the kids or something I should watch by myself or I don't know anything about it? Well, I think you can watch it with your kids. I think they'll be fine. There's some deaths in it, but nothing bloody gory. There's some kind of, to me, it's not, they're not scary, but there's some big, ugly alien monsters in it. Um, uh, some little cute alien monsters also, but you know, for the most part, I think your kids would be fine, but it's a, you might want to watch it first, actually come to think of it, knowing your oh. kids. <laughs> you know how sensitive my kids are to, to movies. So cool. Galaxy Quest. I'm looking forward to it. Yep, yep. Good, good. So, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate your ears. And now that you know how we feel about Aquaman, we would love to hear your thoughts. And not just your thoughts on the movie, but also any life lessons that you took away from it. So please go to the show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod three zero pod 30 leave a comment view the life lessons that we took away from the movie watch the trailer um there's also a link to our facebook page as well right there well then my name was sky and this is dusty and we will return next week with galaxy quest